Hi, everyone. This is Pivot from the Vox Media Podcast Network. I'm Kara Swisher. And I'm Scott Galloway. Carrie, do you know you predicted something uh, on Friday that looks like it's coming true? You said that Disney would be acquiring movie chains and Amazon is in talks with AMC to acquire the AMC and Odeon. Not Disney. No, but still. Not Disney. But you know what? I thought they'd be acquired. I thought these would be acquired, all these people. That that vertical integration thing would be over. That's right. But you can bet that all of a sudden when Amazon does anything, you can bet that Disney and 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 Time Warner or AT&T are all of a sudden got their pencils out and thinking, should we be acquiring um, movie studios? And you're- well, which ones are available? Which ones are, there's AMC is obviously one of the biggest. Well, there's only two now that are kind of left. There's- Landmark, is it uh, Landmark? No, AMC and I forget who the other one is. But I mean, it's literally like Sears or JCPenney's. These guys are in real trouble. And yeah. you're exactly yeah. right. It's it's powerful in terms of vertical or, vertical or control if you- if you look at the companies that have really excelled over the last 10 years, they have one thing in common, and that is they control their distribution. And last week, uh, who was it? Um, somebody said to Comcast, oh, AMC said to Comcast, uh, they were going to come out with their uh, the Trolls World Tour and bypass movie right, theaters. And they, and they said, you're not allowed yeah. to do that. It's a typical distribution fight, similar to... In the 80s and 90s, JCPenney said, Levi's, if you try and sell, or in the 90s, if you try and right. sell your denim yep. direct to consumer via the website, we're not going to carry you. And finally, Levi's said, this is the future, and stuck up the middle finger and started selling direct. And now you see yeah. the content makers have all the leverage and are bypassing the theaters, especially in a time of COVID. Well, here's the issue is what, you know, if it's Amazon, see, if Disney bought it and wouldn't distribute Universal, there's there's got to be a lot of regulatory scrutiny, even though they're going to sort of give up on the old vertical integration laws that they had. Um, but there is some issue around who owns it. Like nobody, I think, in Hollywood wants Amazon to be owning this particular distribution channel because they both have entertainment and they're so well known for strangling distribution. So, you know, uh, they wouldn't say that. They'd call it helping grease the skids of innovate of, of distribution. But I think probably media people, lawyers today, were probably like, "What the hell?" And then, of course, Congress will get involved. This is this is going to be not a one step quick thing. I think I don't know about it'll you. be really, it, but it's really interesting because everybody thinks about it one way. They think, okay, this would everybody's going to. Amazon uh, is going to buy movies or produce movies, uh, uh, or these content makers, AT&T or whoever, or Comcast, are going to start skipping theater distribution and go straight to your TV set, which makes sense, right? You should be able to, if right. somebody wants to spend 200 bucks to see the next installment of Star Wars, everybody wins yeah. there, right? But there's opportunities right. to go the other way, and that is, I think theaters, I think if Amazon owned AMC, they might do a special evening for, and they might release the first four episodes of season three of the, you know, Jack Ryan in the theater. They might say, "All right, we're yep, doing a flea yep, bag yep. evening, a girls' night with drinks in the lobby and reserved twelve seats, and we're showing the first four episodes of the last four episodes of Fleabag." I think there's a lot of opportunity right. to do interesting things with theaters and do away with the, the shitty food. And also, what if it just becomes a uh, a, a membership of Prime, where you have speakers, you have, I mean, these these are essentially gathering places no, and fantastic absolutely. real estate. Well, you know, there, there has been that one thing that that they do operas and stuff like that, which I've always thought was interesting. The 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 you know when they do opera, they, they do. The, I can't remember what it's called. Um, when you go to a movie theater, you say come here and watch the Metropolitan Opera or whatever. But I do think that it's really what's really interesting is whether. What's going to happen from a legal point of view? Because I think these media companies have got to, this is really right at their heart with Amazon. Amazon making things is one thing, but owning this important distribution channel. And there's there's only limited amounts of this, right? It's a limited product. Well, that's the thing. It's not um, that and, big. And there aren't as many theaters. It's not that big anymore. Yeah, it's not it's that weird. big. But still, it's it's perceptually big. It's per- in people's minds. We're going to the movies. Agreed. And so it'll be a really interesting fight. And and Amazon, of course, once again, is showing it. It has no bounds to its uh, its ambitions, but the, um, which I think, think is about, really the story. I mean, it's, again, whenever I get together with um, elected officials or I talk to the media, my ideas yeah. aren't that novel. They've heard my rap. What I do that usually kind yeah. of shock and awesome is I talk about proportionality. And then if you think about, right. so AMC supposedly is going to open up 48% or something today. And 
the the stock right now, the company AMC, a big brand, distribution is important. Movie theaters all over the nation, influential, right? It's got a total market cap of four hundred eighty million dollars. So Amazon's yeah, at one point two trillion in uh, average business day or average trading day. Why wouldn't you go shopping? Well, yeah. Amazon goes up or down twenty five billion. So in some, in some, Amazon loses or gains fifty AMCs every trading yeah. day. So. Amazon yep. right now isn't they don't give a good goddamn about the acquisition price. It's literally the sweat on the sweat on their brow. They try to figure out, okay, is this strategically important? What kind of antitrust flags is it raised for us? Do we distract key employees with this horrible uh, like department store of media called movie chains? But the fact that this company, the fact that Amazon literally trades up or down AMC about every three seconds, Gives you a sense for just how, yeah, just how yeah. they don't. They've got to be. You got. Are. I think. I want you to think about for for next time what else they must be thinking about. Then, all right, all right. Well, I don't uh-huh. want you to say anything yet because right. you got a prediction, right? But they must be like, what else can we buy? What the hell? This is buying time. Like you were, we were talking about those with cash or those with stock that's valuable are going to go on a buying spree of the good stuff. Pick a, you know, it's sort of like the bargain basement at Filene's right now with all the good stuff there, and you get in first. Um, if you know that reference, it's a, it's a shot, an old retail reference. Filene's. Um, Filene's first, um, and then we go to the opera tonight, and that's why we live. That's why we live alone with <laughs> <yeah>. cats. <laughs> no one's going to the opera tonight unless you're going by yourself. Listen, you also got one right. Uber earnings. Uh, you predicted on Thursday that Uber would be expressing optimism in their earnings, and you were right. Uber's uh, CEO Dara Khosrowshahi, he said the ride sharing was picking back up. Uber Eats business was up fifty percent. That's probably no surprise. And I want to care to explain. Do you have an insider there? How did you know this? Tell me your your process. Um, also, Grubhub had record first earnings, uh, which is not good for restaurants. Um, uh, would you invest in Grubhub? Tell me how you knew this. First of all, what Uber? was your theory of figuring this out? Yes, because unless you had so unless you're best friends with Dara Khosrow Shahi. Oh yeah, <laughs> he and I are thick as thieves. Um, no, that, yeah, okay. that was an easy one because what we forget is that these people are human and no CEO yeah. is going to announce the day, the morning of uh, earnings that he's making a, what feels like a little bit either genius or mercurial or or uh, nonsensical investment in a scooter company in the midst of a pandemic. The only way, the only way you announce that is if you're going in to the earnings with your shoulders back and your chest out. There's just no way anyone, any CEO would want to say, well, I'm going to announce shitty earnings the same day I'm announcing this kind of what could be perceived as a strange investment. It's He would have waited to see how the market reacted and then announced. But to announce what what is what I'd call, I don't want to call it a risky, but something where a lot of people would tilt their head around the investment and Lyme, unless you're feeling unless you're feeling your mojo. So that was just straight, that was just straight human behavior. The investor relations people all lined up and said, when do we announce the investment? And someone said, make it the morning of earnings because we're going to have momentum going into our earnings and our earnings are, we're going to yeah. show better than expected numbers. So I, it, these people, they're people, right? They, they, all right, they okay. this is human psychology. By the way, right, okay. Am, then, AMC up 46% what? in morning trading this morning. All right, and it's look gone. At that. Look at that. In the last five years, it's gone from thirty bucks to What's the other, what's the other firm? It's AMC and what's um, the other? What is the other one? Um, I don't know what the other one is. Give me a minute. Well, they'll all sell. They'll all sell. Yeah, they're all. They can't survive um, as independent companies. The question is, no, is there value can't. there? I was wondering what was going to happen to Alamo Drafthouse, which was trying to do different things. What'll happen to that? That's. I think it's privately owned. Um, but in any case, they're all for sale. They're all for. Everybody's for sale. Scott, are you for sale? Would you buy into Grubhub? And then we're going to get to the big story. What would you buy Grubhub right now, or do you feel like they're sort of a rapacious company taking advantage of the weakness of restaurants? You know more about this space. You know, you know more about this space than I do. What do you think? I think that they uh, that they're going to get a lot of scrutiny. Um, I think restaurants, as restaurants, especially locally, because restaurants, you know, have a lot of you know, if if all the storefronts are stop going out of business and they're taking this biggest, they've got to have a better relationship with restaurants. I think there's something you know. I think probably. Um, Everybody uses them. I've used I use caviar more than Grubhub, but because um, I'm fancy. But um, but I think that they have to question how much they're charging and I and work out something with better relationship with restaurants. I don't know. I don't. I think it's probably a good investment right now. But at the same time, it's uh, I think there's there's going to be a lot of ire among the people. 
It's just, it feels like uh, straight out of a economics class when you have two or three really well-funded competitors, you know, there's DoorDash, there's Grubhub, and there's, I don't know, Uber Eats, and then there's a bunch of dogs and cats down here in Florida. We have delivery dudes. Uh, mm-hmm. When you have a consolidation of power on one part of the supply chain, and then you have literally hundreds of thousands of suppliers, there's just so much yep. leverage and power that goes to the consolidators. And for yep. a while, what was strange is the consolidators were, there was such a market share grab that they were showing up and saying, for a while, we'll pay you to deliver your stuff. But that appears to be over. Right. And now you're hearing these stories about restaurants give Grubhub $1,100 worth of orders and end up with $380. Yeah. Right. So it's that's that's going to be a fan, that's going to be a super interesting analysis by economists and the antitrust folks to figure out should they be regulated, but all of a sudden they have new life. I thought there was going to be consolidation in that space, yep. and it's all yep. of a sudden become the other really interesting thing that you've been looking at is what is going to happen to ghost kitchens because if the physical places are no longer physical places really do become liabilities given that the joy of welcoming your friends to your restaurant, and density becomes the enemy, but people want more food delivered. It, it feels like it plays right into this notion of ghost kitchens. Yep, yep. And who has a, you know, it's interesting, Travis Kalanick has an investment in ghost kitchens, which I think is interesting. Good good timing for Travis Kalanick, as long as he can keep workers. And of course, he'll get he'll get probably uh, the, the himself wrapped around the axle around that. Oh, as the I don't know. It's nice to see a, him gotta, catching a break after after figuring out a way to... <laughs> he's so smart. He, look, and he's really smart, yeah. but I think, you know, you've got to be careful about workers. Again, how, whether how the safety of workers, and this is something we talked about Amazon doing, is having a virus, uh, you know, virus-hardened uh, uh, supply chain yeah. in any case. Um, so we'll see. And when, you wonder if Amazon's not going to get into this. Anyway, let's talk about white-collar workers and how big companies are extending work from home. Last week, CEO uh, Google CEO Sundar Pichai announced that a majority of employees who carry out their jobs from home will be able to do so until the end of 2020. Facebook also said that anyone who could work at, from home was free to do so until the end of the year. If you work at Amazon while not in the warehouse, you won't be expected back in the office until October. The same goes for Microsoft. Let's talk about how this will change the companies and how they interact with cities that are headquartered. And it also talks about uh, a pandemic for different people, um, how how it's conducted. Um, so, what do you uh, what do you think about this? What, I mean, it's just it's not a surprise. They're trying to keep uh, the work going and allowing their their knowledge workers to do so. It's just there's so many there's so many second order ramifications. We know that we're not going back to the same. Same commute, take a train in for an hour from Short Hills, New Jersey, or Greenwich, Connecticut, because you have to, because it's 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 the rote process. Get into your office at nine, leave at six. We just know that's twenty or thirty percent of that is literally going away. And right. you can see all sorts of things. You could see cities, commercial real estate in cities just plummet. You could see stocks like Best Buy, Restoration Hardware, and Sono skyrocket as this new class of information age workers spend 20, 30% more of their week waking hours at home. So decide to reallocate capital to making, to buying a better desk, a better, a better computer stand, you know, a better carpet and a better uh, intelligent speaker system. There's the home is going to start to get a lot of the capital that flows out of commercial real estate is going to go into the home. You could see office towers in Midtown being turned into condos, which puts additional pressure on real estate. There's just so many second order. I I think it's going to have a huge impact on young versus old. So for example, the Google cafeteria just became incredibly valuable and a point of differentiation for a young person. If you're 25, you don't want to work from home. You want to meet your husband at the yeah, at the yeah. cafeteria, the coffee bar at Pinterest. And so the socialization and the ability to go into work is going to become a, a feature, not a bug. You know, I just yeah. lost this really talented young man to Google, and I was just so shocked because he loves our company. And I generally believe it's because he wants to go socialize somewhere. We're all working from home. Yeah. So you don't have enough of a cafeteria there. Well, but think about it. You and I, you and I, you and I, we have snacks. We have snacks. Snacks. We have snacks. <laughs> snacks. Good but snacks. But think about it. Nice if snacks. You're, Little snack table. If you're our age, you probably have a decent home. You like being at home. But if you're 25, you're living in a 200 square foot apartment in Williamsburg. You yeah. want to go to work. You want to, you know, you're you're yeah. all about 
But they're not going to go to work. They don't have to now. They don't. They have to stay home. Really, I think they're probably encouraging people to stay home too. Like, if you want to go to work, you can. If not, you can stay home. But this is the I thing. Mean, it's an interesting It'll become a feature. Google will say we have, we have testing. I mean, it's all. It all again comes. Every every road leads back to testing. What if I show an ID when I come into Stern's campus? Uh-huh. At some point, will you have the equivalent of a fifteen second screening process that tests you? Where immediately I don't know. That's they swab question. your cheek and go, boom, green, go ahead, go in. Google will figure that out. Google will figure out ways to have yeah. amazing uh, on-campus activities, socialization. Socialization is an enormous benefit of work. It is. It is. It'll be a different kind of socialization, though. It'll be distant, more distant. It'll be. It'll be interesting to see how what what will change. I, I was talking to my kid the other day. He was, you know, bumming out about having not to go to school. Obviously, he actually wants to be at school. He wants to be socializing. Essentially, is um, this he, the one headed to college? No, the other. He doesn't care. Um, the younger one. I mean, you know, he finally got. He's really tall. He's six foot two. He now looks good. He like feels feels good about himself and then like boom no social life right and so right. it's it's hard it's just like it's it's just and you want to see your friends you want he plays across and stuff like that so what's really interesting is is what like how much that's the most important part of it and then what do you do what are they going to have them wear masks at school are they going to do i was just trying to sort of think this through of how you do it do you test them going in and then coming out a week later do you isolate them and the whole experience just changes and i was trying to compare it to him i don't think he much like the comparison to when I was a kid, long time ago, you could walk right through to the airport gate. I don't know if you remember this, but when I was a kid, I remember doing that to meet people, my grandmother or whoever was oh coming in. Oh, my gosh. Isn't that wild? I think you, about that a lot. Do you remember that? And I was yeah. like, and then you, did, you didn't have to go. And he's like, are you comparing this to like an airline thing? I'm like, yes, it's a bad metaphor. But it just was like, it's just the new reality of, of what it is. And you wonder if like all these workplaces, these remote workplaces, um, have, are going to affect people when they get into the analog situation. And so then what are those products? How do you conduct a work? How do you have a good workplace where everybody's wearing masks and sitting six feet apart? I don't know. I, it's a really interesting question, but they're going to have to sort of have the best practices at these tech companies. You know they will. There is, there is um, I, mean, I mean, education, which I think about a lot, it's going to be, there's going to be, and again, I love this quote, Lennon said, nothing can happen for decades and then decades can happen in weeks. Education is about to have decades happen in weeks. There are so many things that could happen here. There might be finally the great trickle up, and that is every, every kid on the waiting list at MIT and Harvard is going to get in this this fall for the first time ever because uh, the wealthiest people have the most options and a bunch of wealthy kids who got in on the first admissions uh, uh, role are going to decide a lot of them, 10 to 30% of them are going to decide to take gap years. So the entire, mm-hmm. to a certain extent, there's unintended winners. Every kid who's willing to show up for a substandard experience in the fall and has wealthy parents who can afford their tuition is going to get into a better school than they would have last year. The waiting lists are yeah. going to be cleared, and then it's going to domino down. If if MIT clears their waiting list, then all of a sudden Boston College, right, doesn't have as many people accepting. Their yeah. yield goes down, and then they have to clear yeah. their waiting list. And pretty yeah. soon it dominoes down to the second-tier universities that don't have waiting lists. And all of a sudden, those guys are financially strained because they have been building up so many costs. Well, interesting. How interesting you talk about this. By the way, I'm applying to Harvard now to see if I can get in finally. Yeah. Um, you you have a cover on at at, um, at New York Magazine saying the coming disruption to college. Scott Galley predicts a few elite cyborg universities will soon monopolize higher ed. Is college worth a fortune if you can't be this? And it's pictures of people hugging trees and drinking, mm-hmm. essentially, and hanging out. So talk a little bit about what you were trying to get at, uh, your this elite cyborg universities. What the heck is that? Well, big tech is going to go into education. A, a, you're seeing an incredible disruption in education, and big tech is going to go into education, not because they want to, but because they have to. If you're Apple and you do $250 billion a year in top-line revenue, you have to be able to tell your investors you're going to double your stock in five years, which translates to somewhere between 100 and $150 billion in incremental top-line revenue, which limits you to a small number of industries, defense, healthcare, and, you guessed it, yeah. education. Yep. And the top schools, we all like making a good living. And so we're going to, via Zoom, a lot of people are saying, I am not going to continue to wash down this jagged little pill of a $68,000 tuition because I no longer have, I can no longer wash it down with the fact that I get to ship my kid out of my house. And also (laughs) he or she loves this four years of maturation and 
experimenting yeah. with pot and getting their heart broken and and experimenting, bringing, Scott. You don't have teenagers okay. and bringing <laughs> and bringing me to a football game that makes me feel good about the tuition. Everyone's like, no, I'm not paying sixty eight thousand bucks for this. So you're going to see massive disruption. At the same time, the best schools will be able to replace that increase in pressure on pricing by increasing their enrollment with technology. And you're going to have a series of, I think the top schools are going to have a, a V in terms of their revenue, but you're going to have just this massive, massive disruption at second and third tier schools. In other words, the guy who used to, the, the guy who got or gal who got admitted to USC is going to get to go to UCLA. The one who got into Pepperdine is now going to go to USC. Yeah. And the people, and Pepperdine's going to be sitting there thinking, okay, how do we support this massive cost structure? So you're going to see just uh, just an abs- just a, 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 a disruption, a decline, uh, absolute chaos among second and third tier universities. And what about? Well, let's go back to to to, co- to companies. Is that the same case at companies? You're going to want to work at a safe place. You're going to work at 100%. like someone who has like testing and things like that. You don't want to go back. People are going to be thinking. You know, it's interesting about this. Uh, opening up thing is people, I, I I don't know if I want to go to a restaurant right away. I have to have things in place. Now, I'm different than other people who are just like, there was a horrible story about this Cape Cod ice cream place that opened up and they were trying to do it in a really organized way. Um, and everybody went nuts. Like everyone was screaming at the poor teenagers who were trying to scoop it up. And you're supposed to call ahead and order and then people would bring it out to you or hand it out to you. But it was like people were insane. Give me the ice cream. Like really abusive. So, I mean, it's kind of going to be really interesting to like going back to workplaces and, and people sort of looking at each other how it's going to happen is going to cause a lot of disruption. But if you're a great warehouse um, manager, yeah, if you're a great operations yeah. manager uh, that knows how to manage a warehouse, do you go to work for the warehouse that's outsourced to a third party on the Kentucky-Ohio border, the Wayfair leases, or do you go to work for Amazon who says, we have made this massive multi-billion dollar investment yeah. in ensuring that you don't contract this virus? I mean, they're just going to have yeah. Yeah. their pick of the litter. It's so many unintended consequences. You know who might benefit in education over the next year is public schools for the first time in 30 years. People are going to take a hard look at public schools again because they're going to decide if it's going to be a substandard experience, the variance between substandard and sort of substandard is not is yeah. not that great. Maybe yeah. I'll just I'll check yeah. out that whole free thing called public schools. And yeah. if there's if there's a rush of the wealthiest parents who have the luxury to be more engaged in school, which is the key to making a school better, there might be this great upward right. spiral among public schools again, which would be wow. in a word wonderful. You've got education on the brain. I'm trying to get you to companies, but you are correct. You are correct. I am thinking myself of public schools. I really am. Hard. Hard. Well, think about Hard it. Or, or I mean, it's it, there's just so many things. Or what about makeshift schools among the wealthy? What about a bunch of wealthy parents getting together with classes? Well, they do that six, in San Francisco right. already. Bring them they together that. informally. That's, a big, that's among the rather hire wealthy a teacher, in San Francisco. Hire one teacher. You put they them. They do that. Yep. There's, there's one called the center in with Silicon Valley, I can't remember. I forget. And it's like, did you get into the center? It's weird. It's like a, it's like something like the center, or I forget. No, the center's L.A. There's anyway. There's there's one like that in. There's several like that in San Francisco and the Silicon Valley where they make their own schools. One was 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 focused. Google. Some of the Google people were doing one of them. Um, so it's yeah, you're right. You know that's. But I don't know if everyone can do that. That's a real. There's going to be a surge, a surge right, in right. child therapy, and you're going to see a bunch of oh, yeah. remote child therapy uh, startups because a lot of kids, a lot of, a lot of you know five, seven, and eleven year olds, as as is understandable, are really str- struggling with the yeah. lack of social yeah. interaction, the lack of structure, yeah. and you're going to see a company, you're a therapist. Rather than rather than having someone come to their house and figure out, it's going to say, go online, fill this out, and they're going to start. Uh, there's going to be all sorts of interesting startups helping kids manage manage their emotions yeah. through this. There's, yeah. I mean, it's just educate. I'm not so sure you can do that uh, remotely, but it certainly. Well, is you know be, what it is. Be a surge it's, it's coaching. It's, it'll be a mix. It's coaching of, the parents. Coaching. Yes, coaching. It's coaching the yep. parents yep. on how You're to do right. it. You're right. You're right. Uh, right. There's yep. just, and it, then last it, thing in this right, section, because we have a friend of Pivot coming up. Um, we were following the Amazon HQ2 uh, story for a long time. They made arguments about having headquarters in cities that would benefit the city. Will Amazon still, you know, reap the tax? Well, th- this idea of bringing companies, and now are, they, are, are cities going to have to pay more to keep these companies 
in these cities, or or or, co- or do companies have the advantage going forward? Oh, you mean you mean uh, Elon Musk yeah. pulling an Amazon, uh, pulling a Jeff Bezos, and going, "That's it, I'm leaving Alameda, I'm leaving Alameda." <laughs> and Alameda, what was what was the <laughs> Alameda council, city council woman's response? She had what I believe I is. Know. Really, the appropriate what did she response. She said, "I missed this entire." Oh I'm no, no. To zone she out said, Am- she, "Elon." No, right now. she said, "Fuck Elon Musk." That's ex- oh, that was shit. her response. I think she okay. perfectly summarized it. And that was that. Okay. Did she either say that or fuck Tesla? I don't know. But basically, it's like I'm sure I'm leaving. I'm taking my me. I'm taking my my auto manufacturing and leaving. And you know what? That is such bullshit. That is just mm-hmm. such bullshit. Yeah. Right now, Elon. Everyone's calling bullshit on you. You're not going to move your factory. You're not. You know, careful, careful. He might. You think he might? Let me just say, <laughs> he's he's he, If anyone would, he would. He would. How about that? Yeah. yeah. I heard he's putting I it on know. Mars. Oh. Stop. I heard he's putting it on Mars. Yeah. yeah, I know. I know. He he doesn't want. He doesn't like the shelter in place. It's if fa- it's affecting his. It's business, fascist. You know? It's fascist. And it's fascist. I know. It's fascist. Whatever. You know, he wants to make that cool truck, his cyber truck, I guess. But, you know, he that's— Stay strong, gonna, Alameda. There's going to be lawsuits. There's going to be lots of lawsuits Stay strong, in, his, Alameda. in the companies. Um, but he could move to Nevada. He certainly could move to Nevada. Sure. That's um, where his uh, gigafactory is, right? Yeah, you know, he—I don't know. I think he's not—I don't know if he's—I think it's interesting. I think it's an interesting— uh, fight between Alameda and that company cities like in California and this um and it, it, it it's going to go on it's going to go on there's going to be lots of lawsuits anyway it's time for a quick break we'll be right back we have someone you love it's going to get you oh, going talking about favorite. these economic my issues favorite. we'll be right back i'm not going to say who it is with a close personal friend of pivot i'm going to say who it is it's stephanie rules she said a multi park text chain last night that was full of fire and brimstone. So get ready to for Stephanie Rule. Okay, Scott, don't get too excited. We have someone online. They're both friends I with Stephanie Rule. She is she is the NBC News senior business correspondent and the anchor of MSNBC Live with Stephanie Rule. Stephanie, you, you've been killing it on this economy thing. This I, I hate to say it, but this pandemic is kind of perfectly made for someone of your insight. So let's talk about job losses, the shrinking economy. A record 20.5 million jobs were lost this April. The U.S. GDP has already shrunk in the first quarter by 4.8%. So give us a, a lay of the land. So first, I think, thank you for your kind words. Thank you both for having me. You know, I'm both a super fan of both of yours. Um, I think first, the unemployment number, we can't look at it with any historical perspective because this has never happened before, right? right? This wasn't a natural shedding of jobs. We said we need to turn off the U.S. economy in order to address this health crisis. Mm -hmm. And of course, the result of that is a massive amount of unemployment. The thing that is sticking out to me is this idea that we're going to have this V recovery and we're going to just jump right back. When you drop this far, this fast, you simply can't get back. And just think about this. From a health perspective, we keep talking about what we're going to do, and, and this is going to be with us for the next 12 months, or maybe we don't get a vaccine for 18 months. But from an economic perspective... We're only addressing it for a couple of months. Mm -hmm. We've got a bespoke special bailout package just for the airline industry, which Steve Mnuchin is essentially the de facto czar for. Mm -hmm. Yet the restaurant industry, if you want to look at unemployment numbers, shed five and a half million jobs last month. And there is no specific program for the restaurant industry. In fact, one of the reasons the PPP program hasn't run out of money is that now that people have looked closer at the rules, it's not going to help lots of small businesses. Yeah. Well, this is something, Scott, go go for it, Scott, here. Well, PPP, it feels as if all we're doing is flattening the curve for rich people. And you've talked a lot about a lack of a lack of oversight. Where do you think, I mean, three, six months down the road, does this just look like Bernie Madoff times a million? I'm worried that it will. Remember, Occupy Wall Street happened when Obama was in office. It doesn't, it's not political. And and I worry that 10 months from now, when the rich have gotten richer and the poor have gotten sicker and poorer, we're going to face a scenario of social unrest. And while Democrats are thinking, well, that's going to be on Trump's watch, no, it won't. 
It won't matter who's in office. It's going to matter that the system could break. So, you know, you and I, we all think, hey, the original form of American capitalism is all well and good. But if the greed pushes too far and if there's no oversight here, the whole thing is going to blow up on Friday, right? The, the CARES Oversight Committee, right? You've got Donna mm-hmm. Shalala on this. This was the whole idea. We we're going to create CARES, but there was going to be this oversight committee. That oversight committee still has no chairperson and it still hasn't been funded. So the way the law works, 30 days after money is given out, and this is the, the, like the big money from the Mnuchin side, a report is supposed to be written. No report was written because yeah. they don't have anything, right? They're going, well, we're going to ask the questions. Well, it's like the, it's like the FEC. It's like a lot of these agencies that are not either not funded enough or don't have a quorum or they're just, there's no oversight whatsoever. We don't so know, this money is right? Just- PPP, we keep talking about the big companies. We only know the names of public companies that got the money. And the only reason we know the names is because they had to file with the SEC. All of those other businesses, we have no idea. Do you remember after 2008 when TARP happened, every single dollar, and that was only a little over 700 businesses, we knew where it went. We have no idea where this money is going. So behind closed doors, Secretary Mnuchin, Jared Kushner can be playing kingmaker, and it's going to be a long time before we know where the money actually went. I'm curious. Which we will eventually. Great, eventually. Well, we know how this administration treats subpoenas. They blow their nose with it. So you have one Mm -hmm. of two options. Either the president will still be in office and they're going to laugh at oversight, which they've successfully done, or they won't be in office and Democrats are going to be left holding the bag while people in this country are saying, I got screwed. Aren't we as Democrats sort of complicit in this? So I was really disappointed that the speaker didn't I was really frightened that Katie Porter was held off of the oversight committee because she Me brings too. accountability and math. And it feels like, you know, Kara summarized it. Would you rather be the player or the played? And I feel like we as Democrats have been played and that Democrats are enabling this. I mean, don't we have a job to provide or demand better oversight? A hundred percent. The fact that Democrats are sitting here still today going, I can't believe Ruth's Chris took the money. I can. They were allowed to take the money, right? right? You have the people that designed the program now bitching and moaning about people who took the money. The only reason we know who took the money is because the media reported on it. So those who set the rules should consider, do these programs work and do we know where the money is going? All right. So that's the first part. Now it's mid-May and the government has not reissued any UBI checks. Um, what do you think the next step, you're talking about it not reaching real people, not reaching small businesses. So how do you how do you turn that around or is it unturnaroundable or, or what do you imagine happening? I mean, we have to reconfigure this to figure out how do we keep people okay? How do we keep people safe and solvent while the rest of the system works itself out? While we sit in a situation where we're choosing which business has been hurt the most and who do we have to solve for, I don't know how that solves for anything in this country. And the thing is, some businesses should go away, right? You've got businesses, let's say in the, in the retail industry, that were suffering before this happened, right. right? If the cruise industry is going to go away, that's okay. That's how capitalism should work. Yep. Some Bankruptcies should exist. And then there can mm-hmm. be a rebirth after that. But for us to pump money into businesses and also not put any rules or regulations around where those businesses are spending that money while individuals are suffering, it just doesn't make any sense to me. I mean, Scott, I ask you, do we need to have JCPenney's? Oh, look, JCPenney's has been dead for five years. I mean, this is in, you're right, in retail, those guys, it's just, it's just taking companies that are in the bottom of the seventh inning and putting them in the bottom of the ninth. And to your point about cruise lines or in airlines, airlines have gone bankrupt 66 times in the last 10 years. And if Carnival Cruises goes out of business, first off, they don't pay any taxes. They're terrible polluters. And if they go out of business, it just means the debtors are going to own mm-hmm. the ships, not the equity holders. It's almost as if we've decided that rich people get special treatment and the equity holders in the cap structure get better treatment than the debt holders. You're right. It, certain seeds aren't don't germinate in fire. We should have some fire here. We should have some bankrupt. By the way, all right, so, give okay. younger people a chance angry, to own companies. I mean, okay, Stephanie's but, exactly right. Angry right. pair? Angry pair. I want to know what the path forward is then for the for you know the current administration or how should the Democrats be planning for the economic recovery? Because it is what it is. We, are, we have an economy that stopped, a badly done uh, rescue package, so to well, speak, and uh, which is 
rescuing rich people. What, Let what me needs propose to be done, this to Stephanie. Stephanie, Stephanie you respond. Okay. Why wouldn't right. we take this $2.5 trillion stimulus, take the lower medium of households, and give them each $35,000 instead of creating artificial zombie little companies, create demand, and then let, let, let it figure out where that demand goes and create healthy companies? Why wouldn't we protect people, not companies? That's 100% what we should. But the answer is those individual people don't have a voice. They don't have a say. Okay. We keep saying, we keep saying, oh, we're doing things for small businesses, but we're really not. And one example would be the liability shield. This idea that businesses can't open up right now because if they were to open up and risk the risk getting sued by their employees or their customers, if I owned a little gym, I would say, you know what, Kara, I'm going to stay shut down. I can't reopen. I can't afford it. Mm-hmm. But that's not really who they're fighting for the liability shield for. They're fighting right, for it for big, big enormous companies, right? So while you've mm-hmm. got a, a meatpacking plant with 600 people who stand shoulder to shoulder getting sick from the coronavirus, that company doesn't have any rules or regulations to force them to do the right thing, Okay. So we need to figure out, should we create some sort of economic bear hug so we help absolutely everyone to create a true economic holiday? Or do we do what Scott says and and figure out a way to just help individuals? My concern in, in, in the way Scott wants to do this, I am very, very concerned, and maybe I'm romantic or nostalgic about small business, right? Mm-hmm. Just think about this, Kara, where you live yep. in Washington, D.C., Well, maybe not in Washington, but I'll talk about New Jersey because New Jersey is completely shut down. Where I live, all the small businesses are shut. And two months ago, that was an excellent idea. And still, I understand this idea that we have to put health first. But you know what's open? The big box stores, Walmart, Lowe's, Home Depot, Target. And they were open because of the idea, well, they're selling just essential goods. But they don't just sell essential right, goods. So they can, they sell, I, I can walk no, in there. I can buy a surfboard. I can buy a boogie board. Yeah. I can buy toys. I can buy books. And then all those little mom and pop shops can't even make their rent. Yeah. And all they need are 20 people a day to come in and buy something in order to make their rent. So I understand Scott's right. point. Let's just help people. But I worry that if we are helping businesses, we're choosing businesses that don't yep. need our help. Fair point. Right. Like the big, the Walmarts, this has been the best for Amazon, Walmart, um, all the ones that don't need the business are getting the the business or the big grocery chains. People are getting sick at an Amazon or a Walmart, which is terrible. But we're saying those companies can figure it out when their employees get sick, but the little guy can't. I have a politics question. Can I ask a politics question, Kara? Well, I want to know what do you think about that, Scott? Look, you and I are are brothers and sisters from another mother on this. And uh, my sense is I think you are being nostalgic about small business. I think small business in America used to be the wolves of the global economy, and the government is turning us into a bunch of poodles waiting for for daddy to come home and feed us. I I think think bailouts are terrible ideas. But only the big businesses get to be poodles. The little ones don't. 100%. And and by the way, when you you tell Amazon and Walmart, we're going to put stimulus in everyone's pocket, and then we're going to close, we're going to have the mandatory closure of 98% of your competition. This care should be called the the Amazon and Walmart Shareholder Act. It is just, it's scary. Amazon is up 28% this year. But anyway, I quickly to politics because you're constantly interviewing people, but there's always sort of an insider view at places like MSNBC, and I'm curious what you think. So I just want you to react right away. Newsom Cuomo. Awesome, awesome. I mean, I actually think Newsom Any chance of that? Any chance uh, of that? I mean, I think you're oh, kind of living in a dream world, right? Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, that would be great in, in, a, in, a, in a world of logic. And I don't even think from a personal standpoint, I don't think Joe Biden would mind it. I really do think Joe Biden, uh, in my experience with him, uh, really wants what's best for the country. And I think he'd be the first to say, if somebody else can get the job done, let them do it. I don't think he ran for president from an ego perspective. But from a nuts and bolts logistics standpoint, I don't know how it happens. But Newsom specifically, I actually think Gavin Newsom deserves more credit than he gets. Think mm-hmm. about this hit California first, right? Think about mm-hmm. London Breed in San Francisco. San Francisco was one of the first cities to shut down. And when they did, we're like, man, they're kind of overplaying this one. And look at the outbreak there. It's been de minimis compared to yeah. New York. And a great job. 
And granted, it's much smaller than New York. New York has different challenges. But listen, but you both governors hearing, have done a great job. Neither, actually, Kara, you're in D.C. Stephanie, yeah. you're talking to people kind of, quote, unquote, in the know and uh, every day. You have not heard any real credible whispers of another ticket and, a con- and going straight to the convention. Because Biden, I'll be honest, I, I am worried we are about to snatch defeat from the jaws of victory with Biden. Yeah, that's right. From bottom, I don't think he's. I don't think he's up to it. I know that's a terrible thing to say. I just don't think he's up to it. I think you're wrong. I think you're overestimating it. If this is not the most, no. If he picks the right running mate, he'll be fine. Listen, think think about. um, I'll use Mike Bloomberg as an example, and I don't mean Mike Bloomberg as a candidate for president. But what is Mike? Yeah, that didn't work out for the two of you. The boat is. What is Mike Bloomberg's (laughs) skill set as a leader? Okay. It's not that he's inspirational. It's not that he connects with humans because he doesn't do either one of those two things. But he's a brilliant operator who puts in place the smartest and best people at any task. Like, I can't think of a better convener of talent than Mike mm-hmm. Bloomberg. Joe Biden he's can a do manager. that. manager. Yeah. yeah. Joe Biden can do that. Joe Biden can, yep. can, can yep. walk into the job and say, here's my squat team. And, and that's why a lot of people have said, why doesn't Joe Biden yep. do his own counter 100%. press conferences every day with his squad, with his squad of experts yeah. and say, here's how we're going to do it. Because remember, with President squad Trump, up. remember, with think, President Trump, this the is the I and I alone president. You've got people going to work at the White House today that know in the last week they were exposed to coronavirus, in part, as per yep. reporting, because they know you've got to be near the president to get your voice heard. Who's the Veep candidate? Right. Yeah, let's do a poll. Stephanie, you first. Nicole. All right, and then we got to go to break okay. for wins and fails, okay. but go ahead. Who's the Veep? Veep? Who's the Veep? Veep. Kamala yeah. Harris, Stacey Abrams. Okay, go ahead. Kara Swisher. Kara. Michelle Kara. Obama. She's Secretary of Defense. Do you think she wants you think that Michelle? job? Oh, I my God. Going that's with, I am that's going bold. with Michelle Obama. That's what I've decided I'm Here's what I'll there. tell you. Because oh. my my mother will vote for Michelle Obama, and she does not want to. I'm just telling you. If there's a Michelle Obama there, she'll pick a Michelle I'll Obama. I'll tell you what Wall Street is afraid of. And what could be likely? What? Elizabeth Warren is Treasury Secretary. I think it's one of the reasons banks were willing to take the public lashing and PPP, but they were sure they got every single T crossed and I dotted. Because they know if Joe Biden wins and Elizabeth Warren is the Treasury Secretary, if there was was wrongdoing around PPP, she's coming for you. She's Teddy Roosevelt. (laughs) Tech, too. That's what I'm saying. The only thing tech fears is Vice President uh, Elizabeth Warren. Anyway, this is very fascinating. Saying. Last thing, very quickly, why why is the stock market doing well and the economy is tanking? Because, nice nice face there, uh, Stephanie. I can see Because you. it's just we were talking about. It's forward-looking, and this is great for big business, right? The stock market isn't where's the economy today. It's where is it in six months mm-hmm. or a year. And in six months or a year, A, we know the Fed is doing a lot to help it. But we know in six months to a year, those big, giant companies mm-hmm. can pivot. They we were they were already yeah. pivoting to the digitization. Yeah. You don't think that lots of banks out there would have loved to shut down all their little branch offices that weren't doing anything but helping them with PR? This only moves that further. So so all those yeah. mom and yeah. pops get pushed out. The big companies can easily, you know, sign on to Mark Benioff's work.com and create the workplace of the future because they can afford to do that. But those non-public companies, those middle companies, those smaller ones get pushed out so the big guys win bigger market share. And you cannot forget this is a global pandemic. We're still the United States compared to the rest of the world. And you got to put your money somewhere. U.S. stocks are better than stocks in Nigeria. All right. Good, fair point. All right. We're going to take a quick break and we're going to come back for wins and fails with Stephanie Rule. Okay, we're back. Usually Scott and I go through our winners and losers, but Stephanie, I'm going to give over to you my wins and losers. So who do you think is winning and losing? I want to ask you, who's yours? I don't going to have any today. You just go right ahead. Go right ahead. Um, well, let me bail you both out because you haven't prepared. You okay. haven't done your homework. So I'll go first and you can respond. Okay. A, lo- a loser, <laughs> PPP going to religious institutions, a total vo- constitutional violation of church and state. We have Brigham Young getting $25 million because a disproportionate number of their students are married, which qualifies them to, to not include their parents and their income. So we have a $100 billion endowment known as the Latter-day Saints getting PPP. Should we have religious institutions that are tax-exempt taking PPP funds? That's, that's my lose. Thoughts? Okay. Oh, well, yeah, I agree. What's what's not to agree with? 
I agree with you wholeheartedly. And again, PPP is an example of a good idea, bad right. execution. And Democrats are worried about what do we create in the next CARES Act? We need to take a look at where the money has gone so far and retool this. It doesn't mm-hmm. make sense. Now, the one thing I would argue to you, Scott, in terms of religious institutions, a lot of them are tied to schools. Mm-hmm. And I don't even take huge issue with fancy, you know, everyone's going, I can't believe these pro- fancy private schools that took the money. Mm-hmm. Listen, this was billions and billions of dollars, and you're never going to see me fight anything associated to teachers getting paid more, you know, getting more financial security. Well, because while private we are school, all parents with our- Private schools PPP, but not public schools? Then No, then we need to figure out a plan for public schools because the fact of the matter is in states like New York and New Jersey, we could see school budgets get cut by 20%, and you've got private schools that are eligible to get PPP. I I wish – I'm just not going to – I'm not going to get on my soapbox and scream and yell about those private schools schools, because I got bigger things to scream about, and I want every school to have all the resources. that. What do you think about Amazon acquiring AMC? Did you see that this morning? I did. Um, listen, I think I'm always going to go who's the winner of the week, Amazon, yeah, yeah, right? And, and I yeah. think that – Every week. <laughs> every week. <laughs> every week it's Amazon. And I think a headline that got missed two weeks ago is when Jeff Bezos wrote in his letter, shareholders sit down. Shareholders take hey, a back Wasn't that great? Okay? That was the gangster quote. Yeah, that yeah. was enormous yeah. to me. So Jeff Bezos' approach – to his shareholders. And Jeff Bezos, when he has to testify performing before Congress, could make him the biggest winner. And here's why. Congress is going after Jeff Bezos for a number of reasons, but because he's the easy target and he's and, and he's a super rich guy. So let's bring him down to the hill and let's humiliate him because that's what they do. While at the same time, regulations for payday lenders are getting rolled back. These are the most predatory lenders that take poor people, lend them money, and have them on the hook indefinitely. There were huge regulations put in place after the 08 crisis to get them in order, and those regulations are are slowly being rolled back and rolled back during the Trump administration. Mm -hmm. They had their being lobbying conference at the Doral Resort in Florida last year. And right. and so for me, Jeff Bezos acquiring AMC, Jeff Bezos saying to his shareholders, you're going to need to take a back seat because I'm going to focus on how I can address my employees, my customers and Corona is massive because what has happened in capitalism is every business leader out there, even government leaders are mm-hmm. so focused on short termism that there's not one single CEO that can make a long term decision because every quarter he or she has to put on their so high heels and push up bra and yeah. dance for Wall Street analysts. <laughs> <laughs> I got mine on. I, I right? just and I, it's time I, that businesses yeah. stopped dancing for Wall Street analysts and started performing so for Bezos. long-term be, solutions. Be Bezos is be what like you're Jeff. saying. Be, be like yes. Jeff. I got it. Wait, yeah. I just, All like, right. So he's your winner. Then he's your winner. Is he? Is he your winner? Yeah. You know who my yeah. loser is? Who? The American people. And here's why. Oh, there we go. Because coronavirus. Go. No, here's why. Go, girl. Here's why. Big. Go, girl. Go, girl. Okay. Because let's go. we keep rate. talking. Right. Should we open? Should we close? Coronavirus is a health crisis turned economic crisis that, of course, in true 2020 style, has sparked a culture war. Last yeah. week, I interviewed the CEO of Walmart for the Americas. And I said, what's the number one concern for all of your employees? Safety. And he said that customers follow the safety rules. And I was like, really? Like when I go into a store, I'm so careful. But what's happened is regionally, you've got redder states that have become corona deniers. They haven't really faced that much of an outbreak yet. And they're starting to buy into this idea that it's all conspiracy to hurt the president. And yeah, the, president all dog, all York, the president right? dog whistles at them. He doesn't wear a mask. Mike Pence doesn't wear a mask. And right. the places where it's gotten hit the hardest are the places they hate the most, New York and California. And the net result, more people are going to get sick. Okay? Yeah. We need the government. We need business. And we need Americans to obviously go back out there. But we have to go back out there and be careful. So when you yeah. watch stores packed, or I, all I need to see is one single video of somebody screaming at an employee at a CVS, and that breaks my heart for this country. Yeah, I agree with you. I think it's interesting because they one of the, the gatherings in Wisconsin, they're seeing tons of COVID uh, sicknesses from that people that yeah. went to that gathering. And when you like, go it's, to that it's gathering, really fascinating. Yeah. 
It's when you go to that gathering, do you sign a waiver that says, I will not use public funds, I will not go to the emergency room, I will not go to the hospital? No, of course not. When you not. see people yeah. say, well, more people die from tobacco deaths, tobacco deaths don't get your friends and neighbors and nurses sick. Yep, exactly. So, no, well, maybe the American people. So coronavirus, yes, PPP, uh, social unrest. I have a much more serious question. Should the three of us move to Utah, get married, and open a wild animal park? <laughs> Think about okay, it. I, Think, take your time. <laughs> Think about it. That that throuple would Scott, make there's you. no reason. That is the most there's awesome no throuple in for, the world. Once you Something procreate, for everybody except there's for the no two reason to ever for there's. No, I would far rather spend the rest of my life with my best girlfriends. Now that I've yeah. procreated, if I yeah. was ever going to get married Wait, again, there's no chance out, it would be to a table? dude. Oh, well, okay. let me tell yes. you, Stephanie, <laughs> it's called uh, lesbians, and we will yeah, welcome you to the never tribe. Mind. You can join the militia at the ridge anytime you Living want. Our best Listen lives. to me. Last question. Living our best Last question lives. for both of you. Last question. You cannot join the militia at the ridge, Scott. Yeah. We're going to come oh hunting gosh. you. We're going to hunt you. That's that's going to be our sport Scott in Utah. Exotic. Listen, Scott, Scott, Scott exotic. exotic. Listen, we'll hunt Scott. We'll give you like one kombucha you know, and a 10-minute head at start. At this point, I'm willing to Listen try. to me. I'm willing to try. Listen to me. Okay. Last question for both of you. One year from now, the economy. Each of you, try to be thoughtful, then we have to go. Who are the biggest winning companies? Whatever you, however you want to say, one year from now, our economies. Stephanie first. I think the biggest, most sophisticated, successful companies before the crisis are going to be significantly more powerful, and we're going to have a lot fewer businesses out there, and I'm very worried about the future of mom and pop. I think we could lose 40% of our restaurants. All right. Scott? Yeah, I think that I, I think that's right on. Um, the, the, the bigger are going to get bigger. The gov- government, CCB, and the Fed are going to continue to print money, which will sort of be, will save a lot of big companies from facing the music. I do think, though, at some point you issue so much debt that the equity value gets wiped out in the form of, I think the NASDAQ gets cut 30%. I just don't understand how the NASDAQ is up. If you're telling me January 1, the economy was less strong than it is now, I just don't get how we're going to test new lows in terms of the markets. It's going to, I think it's going to get very ugly, very, uh, pretty fast, but who knows? All right. But it should. I agree. The market shouldn't be based on expectations and smoke and mirrors. At some point, Kara, it has to be about earnings. And over the Mm -hmm. last few years, companies haven't earned more. It's been PE ratios. Time to get real. Time to get real. All right. That was really real. It was Stephanie Rule. Thank you so much. Anyway, last thing before we leave. All right, Scott and Stephanie, anything making you happy this week, Stephanie? Happiness. Hmm. Scott requires this this little exercise. Yes. You know what? It was the nicest, nicest Mother's Day. Oh, nice. Because even if people didn't get to see their families, this whole thing has gotten a lot of us to shut up with our bullshit. We're not yeah. mad at our family members over crap that didn't matter. We're actually yeah. knowing our neighbors' names. We might even be getting groceries for them. So the yeah. best thing is we've seen an injection of humanity that we are in desperate need of. Yeah, yeah. Even as Walmart people are, are rioting. Anyway, uh, uh, Scott? Uh, I've been trying to spend more time in nature with my nine-year-old, which has been really nice for him. That's my, that's my win. I had a shitty Mother's Day. I did uh, too many ed- edibles Saturday night, and I just wasn't in the right mood Sunday. But anyway. <laughs> Well, that was a choice. That was a choice. That was a choice. Thank you. Stephanie, I love you. You are the best person ever. I had a beautiful Mother's Day, too. My lovely uh, sons had been cooking for me all week. And then uh, uh, Clara would learn to play the piano. So it's great. Terry Blossom. Yes. Yes, it was very beautiful. Anyway. All right, everybody. Stephanie, thank you so much. Don't forget Utah. if there's a story Utah. in the news. We're not going to Utah. In the news you're curious about and want to hear our opinions, we can think of a better state, Hawaii. Utah. And email us at pivot at voxmedia.com to be featured on the show. Scott, can you read us out? Today's episode was produced by Rebecca Sinanis. Our executive producer is Erica Anderson. Special thanks to Drew Burrows and Rebecca Castro. If you like what you heard, please... Please download or subscribe. Catch Stephanie Rule on MSNBC or the Today Show. Everyone stay safe, and we look forward to seeing you or hearing from you uh, at the end of the week.